your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. After the Penguins got Derek Broussard and the Tampa Bay Lightning got Ryan McDonough and JT Miller, people started comparing Pittsburgh and Tampa. And it's close. It's real close. I'd give Pittsburgh the edge up front. Tampa has the edge on defense, and it's a dead heat in goal. But I believe the most pronounced edge is Pittsburgh up front. Tampa Bay still got Kunitz and Callahan in their top nine. Corey Conacher gets a jersey with the Lightning. Each team is top-heavy up front. Pittsburgh with Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. Tampa Bay with Stamkos and Kucherov. But it never stops with Pittsburgh. Broussard, Gensel, Hornquist, and that power play. Pittsburgh is overwhelming on offense. Tampa has the defense, but can Tampa's defense stop Pittsburgh over the course of a seven-game series? I don't think so. Because Broussard and Kessel are going to match up against Tampa's bottom pair. Tampa's number two pair is suddenly McDonough and Girardi. And in recent playoff years, when those two were with the Rangers, the Penguins shredded them. So Tampa's defense had better be good. And Vasilevsky, too, in goal. Uh, the biggest winner yesterday in that deal where Tampa got McDonough, the biggest winner might have been J.T. Miller. The Pittsburgh kid who went from the New York Rangers to Tampa along with McDonough, and there I am repeating myself because I got ahead of my notes. Miller is going to play with Stamkos or Kucherov. He's going to get a big shot. That's sick again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, showing you the right way to build since 1956. We got Stan Saverin joining me at the bottom of the hour. I'm live at Buford's on 5th Avenue, right across the street from PPG Paints Arena. Again, looking at that Pittsburgh-Tampa matchup, Vavsileski and Murray, the two goalies, they're about even. Honestly, if you made me pick one, I might pick Vasilevsky. But on a different day, I might pick Murray. I think Vasilevsky is ever so slightly better. But then again, where are his Stanley Cup ranks? On defense, I keep coming back to Pittsburgh shredding McDonough and Girardi when they were paired up with the Rangers against the Penguins in previous playoffs. If the Penguins shredded them then, why wouldn't they shred them now? And then up front, again, Tampa's got Stamkos and uh, Kucherov, and now they've got Palat back, and uh, they added J.T. Miller, and, you know, they, they got some guys, but not as many talented forwards as the Penguins have. So if you made me pick a winner right now in a series between those two teams... I not only would pick Pittsburgh, I would pick Pittsburgh in six games. I want your thoughts at 412-333-WXDX. Uh, now, getting a little more immediate, who the Penguins might play in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I hate to talk this way, but Philadelphia worries me. The Flyers. The Flyers have won six in a row. The Flyers have won seven in a row on the road. 
The Flyers have gone 12 straight games with at least the points. They have 18 wins and 7 losses since the new year. And they won 1-0 via shootout last night at Montreal. Right now they got two goalies hurt and Wayne Simmons too. And they still keep winning. I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand how it's happening. I don't think the Flyers are that good. But right now the Flyers lead the Metropolitan Division. Giroux, Voracek, and Couturier are having great years. And their defense sucks on paper, but on the ice it's overachieving. I don't think the Penguins would be scared of any team in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, being two-time defending champs. But I'd rather play New Jersey, Columbus, or whoever, and not Philadelphia or Washington. Not in the first round. I always prefer the easier path. Pittsburgh would probably kill Philadelphia, but what if they didn't? Washington is always the Penguins' patsy, but what if they're not this year? I just can't believe the role Philadelphia is on, but it will pass, I hope. Uh, Like I said, I said a moment ago, Pittsburgh over Tampa in six. I'd say Pittsburgh over Philadelphia in five. Pittsburgh over Washington in six. Your thoughts, Dow 412-333-9939. If you're just tuning in, uh, Matt Murray suffered a concussion at practice yesterday. Tristan Jari has been recalled on an emergency basis. Casey DeSmith has also been summoned from Wilkes. He will be in goal tonight, it looks like. Uh, Gensel is back on Crosby's line, as I demanded on this program and in my trib column yesterday. It looks like the top three lines are going to be Gensel, Crosby, and Rust, Haglund, Malkin, and Hornquist, Sherry, Broussard, and Kessel. And who that leaves on the fourth line, uh, I don't know. If they're going to give uh, Sherry a shot on that third line, maybe that sends Aston Reese back to Wilkes because I would want Kuhnhockel on my fourth line due to his four-check and penalty kill. My fourth line would be Kuhnhockel, Shane, and Carter Rowney. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I was just about to go to the phones and a caller hung up. Yeah, his loss. Uh, Matt Murray's concussed. No timetable for his return. Just because there never is a timetable for somebody's return from a concussion. But uh, don't get mad at Murray because he's hurt. He don't want to be hurt. Goalies get hit in the head with pucks all the time. It's it's what they do. Uh, and keep in mind, as I've said repeatedly, the situation the last couple years with both Flurry and Murray was unique. It hasn't replicated itself anywhere in the NHL this year. The Penguins certainly haven't replicated it. The system in place with goaltending on every team is a starter and a backup, except for teams which have two backups, and then they pretend they're both starters. But uh, the Penguins need Murray. Better he gets hurt now than gets hurt a month from now, and hopefully DeSmith and Jari will do just fine in his absence. I suspect they will because they have so far. Uh, Then again, uh, Jari certainly had a tough night at Florida on Saturday, left with the score 4-1 
in favor of the Panthers, and the Penguins came back but ultimately lost 6-5 in regulation. For everyone who blamed Matt Hunwick for having a terrible game at Florida, i got to tell you, Tristan Shari was every bit as bad and contributed every bit as much, if not more, to that Penguins loss at Florida. Let's go to Aaron in traffic. Aaron, you're the first caller of the day. 68 minutes in here on 105.9 The X. Hi, Mark. I just wanted to see if you had an update on Nikita Kucherov's injury from last night. I know he went out of the game. Uh, I don't have a specific update, but it's not expected to be serious. The Tyler Johnson injury, which looked to be a knee, uh, is thought to perhaps be more serious. Uh, I don't want to see Kucherov off for extended length of time. I'd like to see him out just long enough to let Gino catch him and pass him in the scoring race. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. It's the Mark Madden Show. We have Stan at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, your thoughts on Pittsburgh versus Tampa Bay. If the Eastern Conference playoffs come to that, and I bet they do, who would you favor in that matchup and why? If you want to go more immediate, how seriously do you take tonight's opponent, the New Jersey Devils, as a playoff threat? I'm Mark Madden. I'm live from Buford's on 5th Avenue. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He erupts. He clears his throat. Says something meaningless. Who's winning in a fight? Lemmy or God? I think it's a trick question. Lemmy is God. The X at 105.9. Here's a story that's both pathetic and amusing at the same time. Sean Davis of your Pittsburgh Steelers was at a Chick-fil-A. And didn't get waited on fast enough. So he posted a video on social media and pointed out that the kid waiting on him be like eight years old. No wonder the service is so slow. Well, the kid and his family are suing. They're accusing Davis of cyberbullying and saying the kid was harassed at school for several days after Davis posted the video on social media. Now, as far as I'm concerned, there's two sides to that story. One side is either the kid's incredibly soft or the parents are out for dough or maybe both. But the more prevailing wisdom I can impart regarding the situation is if you're an athlete, a celebrity, for that matter, a normal human being, Not every facet of your life has to be documented on social media. And not every unpleasant moment you experience has to be recounted on social media. Some people might not like that. For example, this kid and his family, and now Sean Davis, mostly an unwitting schmuck in this instance, but nonetheless is subject to a jackpot he just doesn't need to be part of. So, again, I I think the main, boy, I hesitate to use the term villain here, but but I think Sean Davis is mostly the jerk in this situation. Shouldn't have done it. Didn't need to do it. Was stupid to do it. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, We were speaking earlier about Jim Rutherford's performance at the trade deadline. And comparing it to other teams and how they did with their deals, 
uh, taking that to the locker room, we talked about the uncertainty in the locker room, not just the Penguin locker room, but really any hockey locker room in the days right before the deadline. And I suppose now that the deadline's come and gone, there's still some uncertainty, but it's a different kind of uncertainty. Uh, who's going to play with who? Uh, Jari and Simone already went down to Wilkes, but they ain't left yet. Jari called up on an emergency basis with Murray Hurt. Aston Reese could be out of the lineup. Uh, Shan is going to see his playing time probably uh, drop. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, the pressure is off Hunwick because even though he's going to play now for sure, he's got to play well, but I don't know. I think he'll adapt. I think he'll get in there. I think he'll get readjusted to the left side, and I think Matt Hunwick will do just fine. Although, it wouldn't shock me if Ruedel got a game soon just to get him back in there. He's not played in quite a few weeks. Then again, maybe not, because I wouldn't want to flip Alexiak from side to side. Again, I'm curious to see what happens to Shane's ice time, because Sid and Gino had been double-shifting with the fourth line. Uh, Mike Lang said yesterday on this program, that Mike Sullivan is just going to roll four lines now, but I'm not exactly sure about that. Now, to repeat a few factoids from yesterday's program, if the Penguins won the Cup without Latang last year, they can win the Cup without Ian Cole this year. And the Penguins team right now is better than the Penguins team that left the ice in Nashville after Game 6 with the Stanley Cup last year. You got Broussard, you got Latang. It's a better team. The uh, drop-off at the backup goalie slot, duly noted. Let's go to David and Kennedy Township. David, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Yeah, hey, Mark, how are you doing? Good, David. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to see how you felt where uh, Broussard would fit best with the line and uh, with the team. Be Hasn't that already been discussed at nauseum? He's going to center well, Kessel and I, Sherry. He's the third-line center. I, Why? How would you use him? Well, I think I would use him, you know, maybe in a mix. Try try to find out where he fits best. Maybe with Gino, he might might even fit, fit good with Sid. With Gino and Sid, you know they're all centers, right? Right, exactly. But, you know, if you mix it up a little bit here... Yeah, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna move Sid or Gino to wing. I can tell you that for sure. And even though Sullivan did say that Broussard can't play wing, what would be the point of moving Broussard to wing? You understand the whole reasoning for the acquisition of Broussard was to have three balanced lines. And by getting right. Broussard you could put Kessel with Broussard and have three balanced lines. So why would playing Broussard with Sid and Gino uh, be something you'd want to do. I guess you're right. Do you think that he would fit anywhere in the power play? Not the first power play. Why? Who would just sit for him to be on the first power play? Uh, I don't know. I, I just I don't I don't think. Bro, I think bro, you're either extremely be. dumb, and I'm not dismissing that possibility. You're either extremely dumb, or, or you just don't have a feel for hockey. Maybe both. Uh, Broussard's a third line center on this team. Don't read anything more than that into his acquisition. It's real important. It's a role that needed filled better than Shane was filling it, but that's what they got Broussard to be, the third-line center. Up next...
He is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. We welcome back to the program, as we do every week, the great Stan Saverin. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And you are listening to Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Joining me now, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. We welcome for his weekly segment, the great Stan Saverin. Stan, Matt Murray is discussed uh, better now than in a month, but uh, Murray seems to get banged up quite a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, and I know that was a major concern. And when they had to make the decision on what they would do in the expansion draft, there really wasn't a decision to be made, but that was one of the concerns. Um, look, uh, if he goes down, uh, you know, Tristan Jari's done some good work, but I don't know that I would look at it and say, oh, there's no doubt that Jari could carry him to a cup. I mean, I think there have to be some doubts. There always are going to be doubts about a goalie until he actually does it. Um, this was kind of a freak accident. Hey, let's remember um, that, you know, the concussion to Marc-Andre Fleury taking a shot off the mask from James Neal is what introduced us to Matt Murray. So... I'm not saying what goes around comes around, but, you know, these kinds of things happen. It's unfortunate. Uh, a lot of it is, uh, you know, serendipitous. Hopefully, um, nothing serious happens to him, and he'll recover from this. Although, once you get one concussion, you know, there always seems to be the case that the second one, third one, would be easier to uh, to attain. What are your immediate expectations for Derek Broussard, who debuts tonight and, as expected, on a line with Phil Kessel? Well, very high expectations. I think anybody who's watched him play uh, knows what he brings. He's been especially effective against the Penguins. Um, I expect him, uh, actually, even though his minutes probably will be less than what he's used to on some of his other teams, I also think that you can't discount that He's used to matching up against, you know, second defense pairs, first defense pairs. Now he's a third-line center, although he's overplaying his skill level, and I think he's going to get many more favorable matchups than he's used to getting. So, I mean, I wouldn't at all be surprised to see him on a per-game basis actually outdo his career average because – he won't be facing um, as good uh, lines, combinations, or as good a defense pairs. Uh, I mean, I've seen him enough to know that he comes as advertised. Uh, you know, you love the grit in his game. Uh, he, if you look at the numbers, he elevates in the playoffs, which is why you got him. So uh, I don't expect him to be any less than my expectations, which were very high to begin with. Uh, Gensel is back on Sid's line. To me, that was necessary and easier to do now that Broussard has joined the team. Broussard enables Mike Sullivan to legitimately keep Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel on uh, different lines. And really, Stan, that may be the biggest upside of his acquisition. Yeah, I mean, he was doing that, you know, even without the acquisition, uh, even with Shane as a third-line center. I kind of felt, Mark, I think you did too, that inevitably uh, Gensel was going to end, you know, back up there. Uh, not that he was miscast in other roles, but it's, it's not only best for him, it's best for Sid. Uh, I, I mean, I, again, you know, some people did some nice things up there uh, with him. But ultimately, I think this is what they always hoped for. They wanted to take some time to find out who might fit with whom. Uh, I don't think Zach Aston Reese, for example, disappointed any, uh, anyone. I mean, Simone had his moments. Uh, we've seen, you know, Sherry up there. But by and large, I think Gensel is the best fit. We saw that in the playoffs last year. Again, I think it's not only good for uh, best for Gensel, I think it's best for Sid. Can Matt Hunwick do the job in place of Ian Cole 
on that bottom pair defense. Uh, Friday night at Carolina, it went pretty good. Not so much Saturday at Florida. Yeah, I hate the point of the Florida game. Listen, there were a ton of defensive lapses, and you know he and Alexiak were not very good together, maybe because they haven't played together a great deal. I think that's legitimate to look at that. I think it's also legitimate that Hunwick is much better on the left side. I assume that's where he'll be now because Alexiak can play the right side. Um, look, he is a downgrade from Ian Cole. I think we all would agree with that. But, but I mean, I, I, I don't think um, that he's Joe McDonnell. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think that he is incapable. He's lasted in this league a long time. It is a downgrade from Ian Cole, but I don't think that that means that Hunwick is inept. Um, yeah, I think he can. The thing, frankly, Mark, that bothers me more than the drop down from Cole to Hunwick is the lack of depth. Uh, when they had uh, Ruedel and Hunwick is seven, eight, eight, or seven. That's eight pretty good defensemen, and you need, you know, eight usually to win a cup. Now they're down to seven. Uh, that would leave it to someone like Frank Corrado. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, we didn't know a whole lot about Chad Ruedel, and he did a pretty good job last year. But I am more concerned about the number of capable defensemen for the playoffs than I am necessarily singularly focused on the difference between Cole and Hunwick. We're talking to Stan Savin, the Godfather. Stan brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich. Shenderovich and Fishman. Stan, were you surprised the Penguins were able to sign Patrick Hornquist? And how important is it uh, for the Penguins to have kept him long-term? Uh, second part, for I think it's extremely important. I think I've, I had some people calling my show today uh, and saying, boy, that's a lot of money. He'll be 36. I don't think the Penguins care what he's like when he's 36. I think that this deal was made because they see... For example, and these are arbitrary numbers, they see the window being wide open in the Sid and Gino era for this year plus maybe another three. I mean, I think that's reasonable. It might close more quickly than that, but I think that they want to surround those two, plus guys like Kessel and Latang, pretty much 30, 31. Hornquist is 31. I think they want to keep those guys together as much as they can, for as long as they can, win as many cups as they can, and then they'll worry about 2022 when it comes around. And I think that they looked at Hornquist and said, he's central to this mix. I don't think they're worried about whatever they spend in the cap in 2023. Um, the more I began to look at it, I began to realize that they were going to go after Broussard regardless. But involving Vegas for the salary cap hit wasn't so much for now. It was for being able to sign Hornquist long term. I don't know if Jim Rutherford would admit to that, but I think all the stuff that he was going through last Thursday and Friday before he was able to consummate the Broussard deal, he had in the big picture signing Hornquist all along, creating that cap room, not for Broussard, but for Hornquist down the line. So I think it's part of his master's strategy. And I've also, I'm going to call Jim Rutherford and see if he'll manage my bank account. Um, he, he's got to be better at it than I am. Uh, staying with Hornquist for another second, Stan, there used to be a lot of players like Hornquist. Not so much anymore, though. That physicality combined with skill, uh, it's a dying breed. Uh, we had Paul Steigerwald on earlier, and he said that people compare Aston Reese to Hornquist but Aston Reese doesn't have that mean streak, that viciousness that Hornquist has uh, down low and especially 
in front of the net. Yeah, not so far. I mean, we've only seen him for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I don't know what you know that might develop into. But as we discussed last week, I, I looked at as Zach Aston Reese. I certainly like what I've seen. Um, I see more of Chris Kunitz in him than I do Patrick Hornquist. Yes, he goes to the front of the net, but so did Kunitz. I mean, I, I, again, that's you know that's not a guy, a bad guy to aspire to being. Um, but then, no, there aren't many guys like that. There aren't many guys, you know, going back to the olden days. You know, a guy like Tim Kerr or John LeClaire. I mean, those guys would park themselves in front of there and you know just were a pest, and you couldn't get rid of them. You couldn't knock them down. Hornquist isn't as big as those guys were. Certainly not Tim Kerr. It was just a mountain in there. But no, I mean, the game. Listen, the game is uh, is played largely uh, on the perimeter. The teams are now largely because the Penguins are going to a speed game because they see what it can do. So I don't know if I would call it a dying breed, but it's certainly a breed that uh, is being diminished. I mean, just, there aren't many guys who play hack-and-whack hockey anymore. That's right. Where do the Penguins stand after the trade deadline? Uh, because Tampa, Boston, and Columbus made some moves to try and keep up. Do you still see Pittsburgh as the favorite in the Eastern Conference stand? I do. Uh, I did before the trading deadline. I think that what we have to ask, I think we can all agree that despite the loss of Cole, the Penguins improved. The question is, did they improve as much or more than Tampa Bay did, than Boston did? Uh, everybody's touting Tampa Bay. Bob McKenzie did an online poll. 62% think that Tampa Bay will come out of the East. And I think that's largely because Tampa Bay... People see them at the top of the standings all the time, and they've been there since almost day one um, in their division. You could make the argument, though, that Boston, based on the amount of games they played, actually has a better point-per-game ratio than Tampa Bay does. I mean, I think Tampa Bay improved themselves. I think something that's not being uh, stressed enough, yeah, McDonough, whatever, but I think getting J.T. Miller might have even been, been a bigger deal for Tampa Bay. Um, I mean, I, I like him a lot, and, and I think that he was the better of the two forwards involved in that deal. Um, I mean, I think Tampa Bay's legit. You know, they've got really good scoring forwards. They're goaltending. We, we know, we've seen uh, Vasilevsky. Uh, we know how good he is. Um, you know, the, their top four defense is, is very good. But uh, to me, if their game is speed and the Penguins' game is speed, until proven otherwise, I'll take the Penguins. The big variable here uh, becomes, you know, the Penguins' second, uh, third defense pair, and where will they be with goaltending? Stan, i got to throw in a footnote about Tampa getting McDonough. Maybe that'll help them a lot against some teams, but I don't know if it'll help that much in a playoff matchup against the Penguins. And by way of bearing witness, uh, McDonough's going to be paired with Chardy, yep. and that was the Rangers' pair uh, in playoff matchups against the Penguins recently. And the Penguins ripped those two to shreds. Yeah, I see no reason why they wouldn't do it again. And, and it's two, three years later. Um, you know, and they didn't get any faster. And yeah, they, I mean, they really, they really took advantage of Girardi. Um, and, um, uh, you know, McDonough, you know, is solid, but again, you know, you're dealing with the speediest, well, certainly among the speediest teams in the NHL. Certainly, uh, in terms of skill, the Penguins forwards match up well or are better than Tampa. And, um, yeah, I, again, I, I think a lot of people are going on the notion um, that, you know, McDonough was a, a Ranger, New York. He's a well-known name. He was a team captain. I mean, I think he helps them. But, like you say, I don't know that he's the difference between Tampa beating the Penguins, although, let's be honest, you know, they've come close in the playoffs, too. 
How do you expect the Philadelphia Flyers being first in the Metro Division right now? Stan, I don't like it, and I want it to stop. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm with you on all kinds. I, I don't get it. You know, they've been without Simmons. Um, they had a trade for a mediocre goaltender. Um, you know, I get Giroux is having a bounce-back year. Um, I, I get that, and Couturier, and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I'm as surprised as you are. Uh, somebody told me they haven't, you know, lost a game. As a matter of fact, somebody said that the, uh, neither the Flyers nor the 76ers have lost a game since the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I just think they're going through their hot streak. Um, it is amazing that they've been able to do without Simmons. We know how valuable he is. They've always had a good power play. Uh, he might be the most important guy in that power play. Um, they're hot right now. Let's see. You know, still 20 games to go in the regular season. Uh, I'd like to avoid him in the first round just because of the emotion um, you know, of all that and all that brings and the effect it might have on you. I don't have a good reason for it other than just maybe they're just going through their hot streak right now and bound to cool off. And finally, Stan, what's your take on the uh, MLB Players Union uh, accusing the Pirates organization of not properly utilizing revenue-sharing money by way of doing what's required, namely improving their product on the field? Uh, I think they've obviously uh, got a case, and I just don't see any defense for it, especially when the Pirates are the only Major League team, Stan, to not sign a Major League free agent in the ongoing offseason. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, first of all, I think you have to look and realize that the union has an agenda. You know, they see all these big names sitting out there, and they're starting to bang the collusion drum and you know, all that kind of stuff with, you know, profits high, and, uh, and they're not spending money. Um, they were one of four teams to be accused. Here, I think, was the most damning statement that Frank Cooley put out. Uh, he contended that they have put their money into other resources, and he named, you know, minor league facilities, drafting, development. Well, to me, that is a damning statement for this reason. That's fine if you have to do business that way. I don't expect him to go out and bid for Giancarlo Stanton. But if you have to choose the path of drafting, developing, that's fine. But what are the results? Outside of Josh Bell, how many good position players have they drafted and or developed to become good major leaguers? Um, I can't think of many, if any. Now, maybe Austin Meadows will be one, but I, I also see too many draft choices that didn't pan out. I'm talking about position players now. So that's fine if you want to say, well, we spend our money on drafting and scouting and resources and development stuff. Well, where's the, where's the result? So, I mean, I, I think that the, the, you know, the, the mode of operandi, modus operandi is fine, but they're not successful at it. So I think that that damns the administration, the organization, as much as how much money they do or do not spend. Stan, great stuff as always. I'll talk to you Thursday on your program. All right, Mark. Thank you. That's the Godfather, Stan Saverin, brought to you by the law firm of Senderovich, Senderovich and Fishman. Up next, I'll talk to Bob McLaughlin, and after that, we'll talk about tarping off the seats in Heinz Field during pit football games, which apparently is not going to happen. I'm live at Buford's on 5th, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You're like, what the hell? Hey, Mark. Hey, what? Super genius, big fan. It's Ringling Brothers time. <laughs> the X at 105.9. Joining me now, brought to you by 84 Lumber, it's Bob McLaughlin. Uh, Bob, uh, we just talked to Stan about the uh, Players Union grievance. 
in Major League Baseball saying the Pirates aren't spending their revenue-sharing money, according to Hoyle. The rules say they have to spend it to improve the on-the-field product. The Players Union says they have it, and I say the evidence against the Pirates is pretty overwhelming when you look at how they've slashed payroll nonstop since 2015, and they have not yet signed a major league free agent during the current offseason. They are the only major league team to not do so. Yeah, that last point, Mark, pretty damning in and of itself. But one thing that this does, and, you know, Stan talked about the agenda for the MLBPA, and of course they have an agenda, you know, with all those free agents sitting out there. But for Pirate fans, this, if it gets as far as we hope it does, this will make the Pirates prove it. You know, they can, they can sit there with a microphone in their face and say whatever they want to say about, oh, we're going to compete. Oh, we're going to put a World Series, you know, championship team that's going to compete for that on the field. Oh, we're putting our money where it needs to be. We're following all the rules. At some point, they're going to have to prove that. And I think that, you know, there's going to be some other questions at least coming up from what they try and explain away because the proof just isn't there when you look at it from a fan's point of view. You know what would be a great PR move, Bob? They should sign Neil Walker, and I'm not kidding. It's, uh, they got this Moran Jamoke that they uh, want to put at third. The heck with him. Move Harrison to third, put Walker at second. Put Walker at third, leave Harrison at second, but bring in Neil Walker. doesn't have a job yet. Uh, I don't know if Neil would want to come back, but I'm sure he wants to play somewhere. Uh, that would shut a lot of people up, even though, st- even though quite honestly, Bob, it would be a hollow move because it wouldn't make him much better. Yeah, exactly, and I think the big thing there, Mark, with bringing him back, I would love that idea. I mean, just, look, they're not going to be that competitive anyways. This at least puts a happy story out there for some of the Pirate fans, the Pirate fans. Well, and he's a great leader. Exactly. When you have a team that's trying to kind of pull together after losing some strong clubhouse personalities in Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole, I think Walker would help beyond just as a player. Right, and of what you know about Neil Walker, what I know about Neil Walker, and a lot of other people who have met him or dealt with him over the years as a pirate, uh, if there's anybody who would be able to put some of that ugly past away just because he wants to play baseball again, he could do that. Uh, Now, I'm not promising that. I mean, it wasn't the best of breakups, but I think that to play again if the Pirates were the only team and the deal worked out, yeah, it would be, for all accounts, it would be a good move for him to come back here. And plus, it would take away Exhibit A that you just talked about, that they haven't signed any free agents. They would get them, you know, they would get that point out of the argument. Uh, Bob, what's your take on Sean Davis, the Steelers' safety, uh, going on social media and complaining about the service at Chick-fil-A uh, thus inciting a uh, young kid's family to accuse him of cyberbullying because he embarrassed the kid who worked at Chick-fil-A uh, via social media. I think the family's being a little bit persnickety, but, but why does Sean Davis feel the need to chronicle his trip to Chick-fil-A on social media? I mean, what an absolute dope. Yeah, stupid. Stupid move. I mean, you could call, you know, if you're going to call a penalty on both these parties here, it would definitely be on Sean Davis. He would get the instigating. But maybe you're right. Persnickety is a good word. But we don't know what actually is happening with the kid at school. In no way is he to blame for this at all. Um, Hopefully they reach an agreement and it doesn't go to court because it's kind of silly. But it's actually... Well, it sounds like it's going to court, Bob, because the, the kid and his parents were offered a whole bunch of stuff by Sean Davis, and they did not go for it. Yeah, but 
Either way, Mark, Sean Davis is the adult here. Stupid move on his part in this day and age. Bob, he's not an adult. He's a National Football League player. Let's say by age then. He qualifies in the legalese. He qualifies as the adult among the aggrieved parties. Um, But you just can't do that. You have to realize that, you know, any disparaging remarks are like that, especially at that school age, it's going to suck for that kid. So get the apology out there. Find a settlement and move on. You know, hopefully he doesn't every- seem sorry though, does he? No, he doesn't. Not the no. In fact, I haven't seen too many stories that don't just give the facts about what he said. See, you know- right there's the problem, Bob. These guys don't acknowledge when they do something wrong, even when it's obviously wrong. And that's not just Sean Davis. That's a lot of guys who play professional sports and in particular football. Yeah, if you're that if you're that quick to get on jump uh, uh, jump on social media and make some fun of somebody like that, Mark. Be that quick to apologize. Be that quick to say, you know what, hey, man, sorry, didn't mean that, just having some fun. Here's some tickets to a game coming up, or here's blah, blah, blah coming up. You've got handlers. He's got agents. He's got PR people, stuff like that. There's probably a team of people looking out for Sean Davis. Make this right. Bob, uh, what's your feeling about the Murray concussion? Obviously, you know, uh, we're not doctors. Even if we were, there's not much to predict about a concussion. It is funny that Murray gets a lot of little injuries, but never a big one. And hey, better now than next month. Yeah, and what a crappy one to get. I mean, what what can you do to defend against a puck hitting you in the mask or hitting you in the head? You know, Bob, uh, I'd like to know the circumstance where the puck hit him in the mask because if it's a deflection or something fluky, nothing to be done about that. If it's a teammate that hit him right in the mask, I'd want to have a word with that teammate if I were Mike Sullivan because you got to keep the shots down. Well, from what I understand, it was number three, um, and hopefully that doesn't give the the Olimata haters more ammunition to pile on him because there's no reason to, you know, complain about his play this year. Hopefully, people don't glom onto that and say, you know, it's just start jumping all over social media about it's his fault this, his fault that. But yeah, little injuries for Matt Murray. Hopefully, this isn't a long term one and that he can get right back at it. But there's just no protecting. That's that's part of the nature of being a goalie. You're you're gonna get hit with shots at some point. That's Bob McGaughlin. I'm Mark Madden. In 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about whether pit football should tarp off the empty seats at Heinz Field uh, because they don't sell very many of the seats at Heinz Field. Live from uh, Buford's on Fifth Avenue, it's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X.